Welcome to this peer voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash SSC. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Taiho Oncology Incorporated. Welcome to this peer voice activity on colorectal cancer. This activity comprises a series of six streaming episodes. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, everyone. I am Marwan Fakih from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center in Duarte, California. Welcome to this activity titled The Science and the Art of Sequencing Therapies in Advanced Colorectal Cancer Beyond the Second Line. Let's begin with the first presentation titled State of the Art, Contemporary Treatment and Sequencing of Therapies in Advanced Colorectal Cancer. When we decide about a treatment uh, in metastatic colorectal cancer, we have to take several um, variables into consideration. What is the tumor molecular profile, the genomics of the tumor? Is there any evidence of microsatellite instability, RAS mutation, BRAF mutation, HER2 amplification? What type of genomics are we dealing with? We have to take into consideration prior treatments, performance status. What are the wishes of the patients? What is the goal of treatment? Is it curative? Is it palliative? What is the impact on quality of life? What are the comorbidities of a patient? So all of these factors help in deciding what is the best treatment for our patients. The treatment of metastatic colorectal cancer um, in the United States and elsewhere at this point is typically comprised of combination chemotherapies in the first-line treatment. The most common regimen is Fulfox and Bevacizumab or Fulfirian Bevacizumab in the first-line treatment of patients with RAS-mutated tumors or right-sided tumors in the first-line setting. For patients with left-sided colon cancer with RAS wild-type tumors, typically we use anti-EGFR therapy in combinations with doublet therapies. In the second-line treatment, in patients who've had Fulfox in the first-line therapy, they typically switch to Fulfiri and vice versa. Now, of course, there are different variables here that impact the decision in these patients, including molecular profiling, that we will not be covering today. The treatment choice beyond second-line treatment comprised, is comprised of three different options. Uh, trifluoridine plus bevacizumab, trifluoridine, and rigorafenib. We have also seen a fourth option that has been recently approved by the FDA, which is fruquitinib. Let me start our presentation by presenting the sunlight data. The sunlight was a randomized phase three clinical trial in patients with metastatic colorectal cancer that has progressed on no more than two lines of therapy. These patients should have received prior urinotecan, oxaliplatin, fluoropyrimidine, these patients were predominantly treated with prior bevacizumab. They should have had disease progression prior to uh, being randomized on trial, have a RAS status known, and an ECOG performance status of 0 to 1. Patients were randomized 1 to 1 to receive trifluoridine plus bevacizumab versus trifluoridine, with a primary endpoint being overall survival and secondary endpoints being progression-free survival, disease control rate, and overall response rate, as well as safety. 
Patients were followed by imaging every eight weeks until evidence of progression. Here we see the overall survival and the progression-free survival on the Sunlight trial. As you can see on the red line, the overall survival was statistically and significantly, clinically significantly better than uh, trifluoridine alone. The median overall survival with trifluoridine bevacizumab was 10.8 months versus 7.5 months with trifluoridine alone. Significant improvement in progression-free survival was also noted with trifluoridine bevacizumab with a median progression-free survival of 5.6 months for trifluoridine bevacizumab versus 2.4 months with trifluoridine. Importantly, the adverse event profile was favorable on both arms of trifluoridine bevacizumab and trifluoridine. The rate of neutropenia was statistically significantly higher with trifluoridine bevacizumab versus trifluoridine, as you can see, with a percent grade 3-4 neutropenia being 43% on trifluoridine bevacizumab versus 32% with trifluoridine. This is predominantly related to the fact that patients with trifluoridine bevacizumab remained on treatment longer than trifluoridine alone. Notably, however, the high rate of neutropenia did not translate in a high rate of febrile neutropenia. <clears throat> Let's move to the FRESCO2 trial, which has recently resulted in the FDA approval of fluoroquitinib. The FRESCO2 trial enrolled patients who had previously progressed on a fluoropyrimidine, oxaliplatin, arenotecan, and an anti-VEGF and a FRAS wild-type anti-HFR therapy, a very similar patient population to the Sunlight clinical trial from that perspective. However, those patients should have also progressed or have been intolerant to either trifluoridine or rigorafenib or the combination. These patients were randomized 2 to 1 to receive fruquitinib or placebo. The primary endpoint of this study was also overall survival. The overall survival on fruquitinib was 7.4 months versus placebo 4.8 months, statistically significant difference with a hazard ratio of 0.66. Similarly, the progression-free survival on fruquitinib was superior to placebo with a median of 3.7 months versus 1.8 months, respectively. Now, if you look at the safety profile of fruquitinib, you can see that here that the main toxicities are related to hypertension and dermatological toxicities. Safety profile in general was acceptable for fruquitinib when you compare it to placebo. Um, you can see an increase in hypertension, skin toxicity, thyroid dysfunction, uh, and in general, um, there is also some um, constitutional symptoms associated with fruquitinib, such as fatigue. Now that we have covered a brief overview of the Sunlight and the Fresco trial, we will be moving to some case presentations. Hello, everyone. I am Marwan Fakih from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center, Duarte, California. Let's look at the first clinical case on managing a patient with advanced colorectal cancer who has progressed after second line of treatment or beyond. The first case is a patient who is 38 years of age who presented with uh, rectal bleeding, had a sigmoid colectomy after a diagnosis of a sigmoid colon cancer. Pathology showed stage 3B disease. The patient received full FOX chemotherapy in an adjuvant setting for six months. This patient uh, was without evidence of disease recurrence until a few years later, 
uh, in year 2015 when he presented with metastatic disease to the liver. Uh, the patient underwent hepatectomy uh, in a curative intent setting, was treated at that point with fulfiri plus penetumumab for six months, remained without evidence of disease until 2019 when he had recurrence in the liver again, had resection. His treating physician gave him capecitabine for another six months, and he remained without evidence of disease until 2022. At that point, this patient was 50 years of age, and he presented with recurrence again in the liver, but at this point, the patient had perihepatic lymphadenopathy as well, and the patient was deemed non-curatively resectable at that point. The patient was treated with fulfiri plus penetumumab again, and uh, had an initial disease stabilization that lasted for approximately six months, and then had evidence of progressive disease. He was treated with fulfox and bevacizumab, received only two months of therapy, and stopped therapy because of progression at that point. At this time now, this patient is 53 years of age. He still has an ECOG of zero. The patient had progressed on prior oxaliplatin, prior fluoropyrimidine, arenotecan, anti-HFR therapy, and bevacizumab. Has normal organ function. And his main goal is to prolong his survival, maintain quality of life, and continue to work. The patient at that point was treated with trifluoridine and bevacizumab based on the sunlight data. Treatment started in March of 2023. His best response was stable disease, and this was maintained until evidence of progressive disease in November of 2023, which is eight months later. While on therapy with trifluoridine bevacizumab, the patient did not experience any significant adverse events. He did have, however, neutropenia, which did require nulasta support, starting cycle 5, day 15. With the implementation of GCSF support, this patient did not require any dose reduction and did not experience any further dose delays. Here you can see the CEA trend. This is after progression on fulfiri and penetumumab. You can see the CA rise on fulfox bevacizumab. And then on trifluoridine, we do see some fluctuation, but he remained within a narrow range between 14 and 18 during therapy. Here you see the MRI scans with the metastatic disease in the liver, and you can see a decrease while on trifluoridine and bevacizumab from a measurement of 5.6 or 5.1 centimeters down to 4.8 centimeters after four months of trifluoridine and bevacizumab. As stated earlier, this patient continued on treatment until eight months of therapy with trifluoridine bevacizumab at the time of which he had progressive disease. At that point, the patient was rechallenged with full theory and penetumumab, and at this point has stable disease after two months of therapy. Thank you for following the first case scenario, and now we will move to the second case. Hello, everyone. I am Marwan Faki from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center, Duarte, California. Let's look at the second clinical case with a patient with advanced colorectal cancer who has progressed after their second line of treatment or beyond. This is a 47-year-old female who presented in 2017 with abdominal pain. CT imaging showed a sigmoid mass, subcentimeter lung nodules, and extensive liver metastatic disease, as shown in these pictures. Pathology showed an adenocarcinoma, microsatellite stable, 
KRAS G13D mutated with a low tumor mutation burden. At that point, and given her robust performance status and her extensive disease and young age, the patient was started on full Foxiri plus bevacizumab. She received eight cycles of therapy, and oxaliplatin was withdrawn to avoid severe neuropathy. She was maintained on full theory and had an excellent response on therapy and received 50 cycles of treatment. In July 2019, after having such a robust response to therapy, the patient desired aggressive measures towards her disease. She underwent right hepatectomy, hepatic arterial infusion pump placement for further liver-directed therapy in an adjuvant setting given the near resolution of her lung metastases, as well as sigmoid colectomy. Unfortunately, after therapy, she did not tolerate hepatic arterial infusion FUDR, secondary to liver enzyme elevations. She was hence maintained on 5-Aflucovorin and bevacizumab as her lung metastases started increasing. She progressed on 5-Aflucovorin bevacizumab and irinotecan was reintroduced in the mix and she received an additional 32 cycles of fulfiri plus bevacizumab and eventually had progressive disease in December of 2021, four years after her initial presentation with stage 4 disease. At that point, the patient was re-challenged with full Fox bevacizumab as she had never progressed on oxaliplatin-based therapy. She had progressive disease after full Fox bevacizumab re-challenge in July of 2022. At that point, the patient elected to proceed on clinical trials and she indeed enrolled on two separate phase one clinical trials, but unfortunately had progressive disease on both. At this point, this patient is 53 years of age. She had progressed on oxaliplatin, fluoropyrimidine, irinotecan, bevacizumab, and has a RAS mutated colorectal cancer with microsatellite stability. Her ECOG performance status remains an ECOG of zero. She has a normal organ function, but has mild thrombocytopenia. Her goals are to prolong survival, maintain quality of life, and continue to work. She was started on trifluoridine and bevacizumab in December of 2022. Her best response was stable disease. This was maintained for 10 months, and she progressed in September. During treatment, the patient was GCSF-dependent, as she had also been GCSF-dependent during her treatments on full FOX and full theory. So she received pegylated GCSF prophylactically on day 15 of each cycle without any dose modifications on trifluoridine or bevacizumab. She received all full doses without any treatment delays, but as stated earlier, eventually progressed. Her main, main symptom was mild fatigue, and she worked full-time during treatment. Here we see measurable disease in the liver. On the lateral aspect of the liver, you can see a mass with associated satellitosis, and this has remained stable as you can see on the right side. On the medial aspect of the liver, you can see ablation defects from prior surgeries. Post-progression, this patient still has some treatment options. The patient has not received uh, fruquitinib, and fruquitinib is approved for patients who have progressed on prior systemic therapy, including oxaliplatin, fluoropyrimidine, renotecan, and have progressed following bevacizumab. Fruquitinib has also been studied in patients who have received trifluoridine. The Fresco-2 trial 
included patients who received either trifluoridine or rigorafenib. The patient is also candidate to receive rigorafenib as a treatment option based on the FDA approval and the data from the correct trial. Thank you for joining me. Please stay tuned for the next clinical case. Hello, everyone. I am Marwan Fakie from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center, Duarte, California. Let's look at the third clinical case with a patient with advanced colorectal cancer who has progressed after their second line of treatment or beyond. This is a 72-year-old male who presented with abdominal pain in 2021. Workup showed a right colon mass with metastatic disease to the liver. Biopsy from the liver metastases and the primary tumor confirmed an adenocarcinoma, KRAS G12D, microsatellite stable, low TMB, and HER2 negative. Patient was treated with Fulfox and Bevacizumab from November 2021 through January 22 with a minimal response. This was consolidated with a right radioembolization in March of 2022. Patient subsequently received Fulfiri Bevacizumab and had progressive disease in September of 2022. At that point, the patient was rechallenged with Fulfox Bevacizumab between November and January of 2023 with progressive disease. The patient had a second opinion with a hepatobiliary service and was deemed to be potentially resectable and was taken to surgery with a salvage hepatectomy in February of 2023. Unfortunately, upon further follow-up after several months, the patient had evidence of extrahepatic disease progression with pulmonary metastases and distant lymph node involvement and peritoneal carcinomatosis. At that point, the patient was 74 years of age, ECOG performance status 1, had progressed following oxaliplatin, arenotecan, fluoropyrimidine, and bevacizumab. His organ function is normal but has mild thrombocytopenia. He had previously required pegylated GCSF with his full fox and bevacizumab. The patient's goals were to prolong survival, minimal toxicities associated with therapy, and to maintain quality of life. The patient was started on trifluoridine and bevacizumab with prophylactic GCSF support, starting cycle number one. He had no dose reductions or delay. He developed grade two thrombocytopenia, which recovered to grade one on day one of each cycle, and therefore not necessitating any dose reductions. The patient received four cycles of treatment so far and has evidence of, pro- of stable disease by PET imaging with a decline in FDG activity and decrease in CEA. His treatment is well tolerated and he is now still on trifluoridine and bevacizumab. Here we see the PET imaging before and after and you can see that there is decrease in FDG uptake in retroperitoneal adenopathy on the image on the right compared to the image on the left. Similarly, you can see a decline in CEA during the initial three months of therapy on trifluoridine and bevacizumab. What are the treatment options for this patient in the event of progression? In the event of progressive disease, this patient would be candidate for rigorafenib based on the correct clinical trial and would be candidate to receive friquitinib based on the FRESCO2 trial that evaluated patients who had progressed on prior systemic therapy 
including either trifluridine or regorafenib. Thank you for joining me. Please stay tuned for the next clinical case. Hello, everyone. I am Marwan Fakih from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center, Duarte, California. Let's look at the fourth clinical case with a patient with advanced colorectal cancer who has progressed after their second line of treatment. A 68-year-old female presented with change in bowel habits in 2019. Workup showed a localized sigmoid mass and a biopsy confirmed adenocarcinoma. The patient underwent sigmoid colectomy and the pathology showed a T4N2 disease with microsatellite stability. She received six months of adjuvant chemotherapy with oxaliplatin and capecitabine and completed adjuvant treatment in July of 2020. In mid of 2021, the patient was diagnosed to have a pelvic recurrence and underwent salvage surgery, followed by capecitabine radiation in the adjuvant setting, and this was completed in August of 2021. The pathology from the recurrent disease showed an adenocarcinoma with microsatellite stability, RAS wild-type, BRAF wild-type, HER2-negative, and low TMB. The patient is frail. Her ECOG performance status is 2. She had required a nephrostomy uh, to placement uh, that is chronic uh, and, and has also residual neuropathy, grade 1, from prior oxaliplatin. She was followed by observation and was noted in February of 2022 to have recurrence of disease. The patient at that point was treated with irinotecan and penetumumab between February and October of 2022 with a good response, but the patient did not tolerate therapy and she stopped treatment secondary to skin toxicity, hypomagnesemia, as well as fatigue. She was followed by imaging and was noted to have progressive disease in March of 2023 with increased pelvic mass and evidence of retroperitoneal adenopathy. At this point, this patient is 72 years of age, maintains an ECOG performance status of 2, has normal organ function. She had progressed following adjuvant capecitabine oxaliplatin and progressed after intolerance to irinotecan and an anti-HFR and has a residual grade 1 neuropathy. She has a baseline hypertension that is controlled and she is requesting to receive gentle chemotherapy, does not wish to experience significant neuropathy and is, does not wish to be rechallenged with irinotecan and penetumumab given the significant toxicities she experienced with that regimen in the past. Her goals are to prolong overall survival, maintain quality of life. The patient started in February of 2023 on trifluridine and bevacizumab. The patient continues on treatment beyond 10 cycles so far, 10 months of therapy, with mild disease regression. She has required pegylated GCSF starting cycle number three due to grade 2 neutropenia. She had no dose reductions. She has maintained her quality of life. She has no decline in performance status and did not require any increase in antihypertensive medications. Here we see her pelvic mass in the presacral area, and you can see that the hypodensity remains stable, approximately 2 centimeter in size. You can see also a spiculated, calcified, retroperitoneal lymph node 
abutting the left psoas muscle on the left. And this is more calcified now on the right lower image as a response to therapy. In the event that this patient does progress, one can have a further discussion with her regarding rechallenge with penetumumab monotherapy as she has not progressed on that in the past. But then she would have to experience some skin toxicities. Other possibilities for this particular patient actually may also include a rechallenge with Fulfox and Bevacizumab given the lack of progression on oxaliplatin. However, that may induce worsening, worsening neuropathy. Other options for this patient include fruquitinib based on the Fresco 2 trial, as well as rigorafenib. Thank you for joining me. Please stay tuned for the next clinical case. Hello, everyone. I am Marwan Fakie from City of Hope Comprehensive Cancer Center, Duarte, California. Let's look at the fifth clinical case with a patient with advanced colorectal cancer who has progressed after their second line of treatment. This is a 60-year-old male who presented in 2016 with rectal bleeding with further workup showing a sigmoid mass. He underwent sigmoid colectomy given the lack of any evidence of metastatic disease and the pathology showed a T3N1A colon cancer and this was followed by adjuvant chemotherapy with full FOX times six months. The patient had recurrent disease, biopsy proven, in March of 2020, with evidence of retroperitoneal adenopathy and lung metastases. The tumor is RAS wild type, BRAF wild type, HER2 negative, microsatellite stable, with low tumor mutation burden. The patient was treated with fulfirian bevacizumab from March of 2020 through June of 2021 with progressive disease. In July of 2021, and given the progression, he was switched to irinotecan and penetumumab, and again had progressive disease in August of 2022. At this point, this patient maintains an ECOG performance status of zero, has normal organ function, had progressed following oxaliplatin adjuvant therapy, fluoropyrimidine, irinotecan, bevacizumab, and anti-GFR in the metastatic disease setting. And the patient has a persistent grade 2 neuropathy. The patient was started in August of 2022 on trifluoridine bevacizumab and maintained the best response of stable disease until progression in June of 2023, approximately 11 months after 10 to 11 months after initiation of therapy. During his treatment, the patient had an interruption in therapy secondary to grade 3 neutropenia and was managed subsequently with prophylactic pegylated GCSF support without any further interruptions or dose reductions. The patient did experience hypertension grade 1 during treatment, but this did not require any medications. Here you can see stable adrenal metastases before and after eight months of therapy with trifluoridine and bevacizumab. You can also see multiple small pulmonary metastases that remain stable after eight months of trifluoridine and bevacizumab. In the event of progressive disease, this patient may still not be a good candidate for oxaliplatin-based therapy based on his grade 2 neuropathy unless there is some resolution of his neuropathy during trifluoridine and bevacizumab. Treatment options 
include fruquitinib in the event of progression on current therapy or rigorafenib. And these are supported by the Fresco 2 data as well as the correct data, respectively. Thank you for joining me. This concludes our activity. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.